Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It's the hottest May bank holiday Monday ever and we're going to keep you occupied for the next three hours. If you're hoping to get a train anywhere, you might struggle. And if you're heading out for ice cream, that might be a problem as well. But we'll keep you updated with all the travel news you're going to need. First up, though, we're going to attempt to get to the bottom of the outbreak of violent crime so far this bank holiday weekend. Already five people have been shot, one fatally, several have been stabbed and there's been more acid attacks as well. The already stretched police forces in London, Manchester and Liverpool... Are putting extra patrols out today to try and calm communities down. But if we are now graduating from knives to guns, where is the strategy for peace? Does anybody have a clue how to stop any of this? 0344 499 1000. Georgie Frost is with me this morning. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we'll be finding out just why millennials are so hopeless. They're scared of voicemail, they're scared of sex, they're allergic to films, they're too long. Now they're complaining about sexism in the Mr. Men books. Really? Honestly? 0344-499-1000. You listen to me, Mike Graham, and consumer champion Georgie Frost on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, one of the things I love doing is looking at a weather map, you know, that one that's kind of heat generated, and it starts in the southeast, and it's red, right? Mm -hmm. Because you never used to see that unless you were in the middle of summer, uh, like August, and you were in Spain or something. But now we've got red, we've got orange. Of course, it's green in Scotland because it doesn't get very hot up there. But basically, uh, this is a massive heat wave. It's the hottest day I think we've ever had for a Monday, May Day bank holiday in the history of time. Can I just point out? Yes. Here. Absolutely. You're freezing. Sh- it's yeah. so cold. Because I've deliberately studio. kept the studio icy cold. Yeah. Uh, knowing as we do, because we're going to go outside and it's going to be really hot. So if you go outside and you're cold, it'll take you a while before you get too, too hot. Right. That's basically my plan. You do realise we can't actually leave leave this studio for though quite a no, while. No, but I'd rather have it this cold though. Right. If you want, okay. I'll put it you up. Hear a bit. that chattering. I don't mind having a sort of a, a, a compromise vis a vis the temperature. But one of the problems of this kind of weather, and one of the problems of this time of year as well, is that the pollen count is really high. That's true. And if you suffer from hay fever, uh, you will know all about that. Apparently, though, loads of people are suffering from hay fever now for the first time. So we're going to talk to Dr. Michael Rudenko, who's medical director at the London Allergy and Immunology. Centre. Mike, uh, a very good, good morning, morning to you. Good morning, Dr. Mike. Good morning, good morning. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Is that the case, that there are more people suffering from hay fever now than there were in the past? Yes, indeed. Uh, basically, we need to first of all tell you what is hay fever. So mm. It's the okay. extreme reaction to a pollen or foreign substance that is absolutely innocent to our body. But it's such an extreme reaction that goes on the pathway of anti-parasitic immune response. So basically your system thinks that it's fighting a parasite. Ah. And this is why it's such an unpleasant uh, situation. And this is all going through the IgE, so known IgE antibody in our system that they're supposed to fight parasites. 
And and does it affect different people in different ways? You know, obviously some pollen uh, is bad for some people, some other pollen is bad for other people, some people have uh, streaming eyes, some people have a a runny nose. The symptoms are not always the same, are they? Absolutely. So we need also to know that the effect is cumulative. Uh, So basically if you're allergic to many, many things and they are all present at the same time, so the, the response will be sort of more or it will be sort of potentiated by one and the other pollen. Mm. Um, And we need to mention that everything that is produced, it's working through histamine. So the histamine, Mm. it's a very well-known substance. It's a bioactive substance that makes blood vessels a little bit leaky. And that results into swelling in the nose. It's increasing secretion and it also um, results in itchiness. So all the symptoms of hay fever is just the water that leaks out of the blood vessels and also irritation of the nerve endings. So that's, that's what's happening. So when we take antihistamines as a treatment, it doesn't do anything with histamine. So antihistamines, they work um, by blocking the receptors on blood vessels and nerves to histamine. And as a result, people start feeling better because the histamine cannot bind to the receptors on the blood vessels and nerves. Um, what I want to mention, and something that is practical for people who are suffering now, don't, do not take many antihistamines of different brands at the same time because they will fight each other and their effect will be not as uh, strong well, as it should. That's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. So that's, because Dr. Yeah. Rodenko, I mean, as, as Mike mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people who are getting it perhaps in older age. I started to get it maybe four or five years ago. First of all, I think I thought I was just hungover. I wasn't because it kept coming back every year. Um, and actually, I found that taking antihistamines made me feel even worse. They make you sleepy as well. Oh, they were horrible. Yeah. It's, yes, it's indeed. If you take the old and drowsy antihistamines like Pyroton, don't take that one, um, that brand new, they're modern antihistamines that can, you can get um, over the counter. And they're non-drowsy, so you can have them and you won't get the symptoms as you had with, with the old ones. So the non-drowsy have worked very good um, and they're all, all over the counter. Cetirizine, for example, Rapidine, they're over the counter things that you can get in any pharmacy or in, in any shop and they will work good comparing to old ones. Okay. A lot, a lot of people, my, my, one of my children suffers very badly with hay fever and always has, and he has struggled with any form of remedy really um, but we found some eye drops that we were able to get in America funnily enough I can't remember what's in them but they're much better than anything you can get here and that's the, this year for the first time um, you know he's getting some uh, relief from it but the problem is that the, the, the kind of um, the National Health Service response to a lot of this stuff is not always as good as it ought to be I fear and you know for example we tried to get him referred to a specialist clinic for a while so they could try and isolate precisely what it was that was causing it which particular type of pollen and they were very reluctant to do that yes um, what uh, is unfortunate that very very good medications for hay fever they're all on prescription so yeah. you need to uh, have a specialist opinion first before this can be prescribed although they're antihistamines and they are safe and um, sort of easily as you mentioned the eye drops yeah. uh, we all have that but the other thing is they're all on prescription uh, what we do is we identify what particular pollen has caused the problem and what people are allergic to. And well, that's an interesting point, Yeah, but that's taken three years for us to get from point A to point B to discover which one it is, and I don't think that's acceptable. Absolutely. Uh, what, what I want to mention, that there is the European Academy of Allergy and Clinical Immunology, that is the body that unites all the allergies. And uh, there is a treatment that is recommended uh, all over Europe called immunotherapy or desensitization treatment. 
And that treatment is accessible through the allergy service. And this is the only treatment that changed the cause of it. So it makes desensitization, so it makes people less allergic to what they are. And this is the natural, the treatment of the cause rather than just masking mm -hmm. the symptoms. So to, And that treatment should start before the season. It should start at least four months before the start of the pollen season. And that will help by reducing the response of immune system against this particular pollen. Mm. It's the teaching of immune system not to react to the uh, particular pollen the person is allergic to. But right. to do that, we need to know what exactly is causing the hay fever. And so we need to get the full list of everything, find out exactly what is causing it, and treat it four months before the start of the pollen season. And that's quite interesting because isn't it, it's different for some people. Some people uh, have reactions to seeds, some people have reaction to trees, to grass. I also heard that uh, the increase in pollution has an impact. Is that true? Yes, it is uh, working as an amplifier. So the background allergy is what is causing a level of symptoms. But there is a pollutants, so there is the irritants that are in the air that are combined with this uh, pollen grains. And they stimulate the system, and that increases the, uh, the, um, simple, um, the um, nerve, uh, nervous uh, signals that are going to, to the brain, and that amplifies the response. That's why when there is pollution in the air, when there is also other particles like tobacco smoke and other things that uh, can make an allergic reaction worse. And finally, uh, Dr. Mike, if people are out and about today and for some reason because of the heat they feel hay feverish for the first time, uh, is it something that they can just ignore because it might just be a one-off or what should they do? Um, first of all, probably if they... Um uh, up to sort of they, they can pop an antihistamine tablet and uh, sort of that should improve the situation. So over-the-counter antihistamines, they're the safest um, option. Um, for some categories like pregnant ladies, there are um, also antihistamines that are safe during the pregnancy and this this all sort of written down in the guidelines of American Academy, European Academy. Okay. So antihistamine treatment is uh, what is should be the first step and then if the problems are not sort of getting better, come to see one of the doctors, uh, their GPs or uh, book allergy consultant uh, and discuss the problem. OK, great. Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Mike Rudenko, the medical director from London Allergy and Immunology Centre. I mean, when you have bad... I used to get it when, when I was a child quite badly, but yeah. I kind of grew out of it. And not everybody does. My sister still gets it really badly, but she lives in the States and they have much better ways of treating it there because they're not frightened of handing out medicine, which in this country they are. No, the NHS does not want to hand out medicine because it costs them money. It depends on what And medicine. I have a very firm belief that that is the policy of it most GP surgeries. It depends on your problem. It depends on your problem. As someone who's got a, a spinal problem, trust me, like sweeties, I've been handed out okay. medication. I think the problem might oh, they'll, be... They'll give and... you antidepressants, no problem at all. I'm talking about for kids, basically. Oh, I think the problem that might be with yours, particularly, because I think for a lot of people, there's such a spectrum, isn't it, of, mm. of suffering. For me, I, you know, it's a bit of feeling a bit yeah. drowsy, a bit My rubbish. My youngest gets people, it really badly. Yeah, for some people, it's really, yeah. really serious. And I wonder yeah. if you, this the idea of, oh, it's just hay fever, yeah. oh, get over it, everybody yeah. else has it, is a big problem, it a is. bit of a stumbling block. Because it can ruin your life, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, you I, can't see anything, your eyes are watery all the time, your nose is stuffed up. I wonder what impact up. this has on, say, productivity in this yeah. country in terms of totally. bringing it back to money that actually we probably should yeah. take this a little bit more well, I think seriously. we should I think you're absolutely right
Now, I did mention to you earlier that there is a kind of truism about the way that people behave in this kind of weather when they have... I mean, Friday already, you could tell the streets were uh, slightly less busy in London. The train service coming in on the tube was slightly less busy. People took Friday off. They Mm -hmm. decided they were going to go away for the weekend. They were obviously going to go down... Almost all of them were going to go to a particular pub in Sussex, which is where I tried to go uh, on Sunday. Thousands of people, obviously from London, went down. There's an Oxbow Lake. They knew you were going. They knew I was going. So they did this on purpose. We'd booked a table at one o'clock at no time, You've been right? hyping up the story all no, morning, so it's, this better it's, be really, It's a really very good, good story. Yeah, at no okay. point at all did anybody tell me uh, at this pub that, by the way, we haven't got a very big car park, right? Right. There is a car park. It's on three levels, um, but the bottom part of the car park is actually a car park for people who are just going for a little walk. Right. It doesn't belong to the pub. But the pub's got two levels of car park, which parks are maybe about 20 cars. That's it. Right. So you got about so within a mile of this place, right, and already there was a traffic jam. All the way, it's, it's, it's sort of up onto Beachy Head and down the other side. Just to get to this pub? or the, Well, no, just, just the right. road in general, because okay. it's quite a beauty spot, because you yeah. can park in these two car parks, and you can walk past the Oxbow Lake, which is lovely, mm. um, and you can walk to the seaside, and you can yeah. walk to the beach, and you can take your dog and all of that. The pub likes dogs. They, they say you can bring dogs. We've got two dogs at the moment. But, of course, we could not find a parking spot. And I said, we're driving around for about five minutes, and there's people getting stuck up against each other. Tempers are flaring because there's no oh, spaces. Yeah. Somebody pulls out. Somebody else goes in. Somebody else says you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. You know, it's all getting a bit heated. In the end, we just thought, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to try and park the car somewhere illegally? Because you can't, really. There's no place to go. Are you going to try and Illegal. drive it into a field and no. park it there? You can't really do that. There's nowhere to go with the car. So you know what we did? We just said, you know what? We're just going to go home. Well, because at this point... Why don't you try another pub or, well, or drive a little bit further, see yeah. if you can park, and maybe in a mile yeah. or something, see, enjoy the walk. Yeah, you see, there, is nowhere to, there was no way to no. do that because, unfortunately, this particular pub's in the middle of nowhere, right? right yeah. It's got car parks, but the car parks are full. You can't park on the road because there's no way to park on the road. It's a two-way road, which is a fairly narrow road. You go to the next town, and it's all very well to say, oh, why don't you just go to another pub? Two dogs, two kids... You know, mm. and, a, and no reservation on the hottest day of the year. Well, then, what chance have you lies, got? Yeah, but therein lies it. He should have told you as well. The fact that the car park is full, the fact that it's complete, you might not have enjoyed it anyway. You know, the well, dog, that was the one of the reasons. The dogs might well, exactly. In, I thought, know? well, if it's this busy, how long is it going to take to even get the food? Yeah. How long is it going to get to sit down at a table? He says, you know what we ended up doing? Because we were all hungry by this time, irritable, because I was driving to the place to thinking I didn't really have any through? breakfast. I thought we're going to, to a pub for lunch. Did It'd you be get lovely. Angry? I didn't get no. Actually, I was remarkably calm. Okay. Normally, I would get angry, but I actually spent most of the time making fun of the mother of my children angry. It's like because hungry, it had all gone. Angry. Yeah, she was getting a bit tetchy right. um, because we all started saying what a mess she'd made of trying to arrange lunch, and we were having this <laughs> conversation about this is why we never go out. She's like, we never go out. Because we have a lovely house in this Sussex, This is such right? a typical Bank Holiday story, lovely, yeah. isn't it? Because <laughs> we have a lovely house in Sussex, right, which is in the middle of nowhere. You don't see anybody. You don't hear anybody. The dogs can run around in the garden, which is very large. Yeah. We've got a little mini swing before we can set up. We can drink to our heart's content because we're not driving anywhere. And it would have been a fabulous thing to do. Instead, yeah. we decided to go out. And now we know why we never... Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Go out because there's too many people because all these idiots get in cars from London or the points west or east mm. or south and go to the same part of the country all the time. Oh, let's go to Beachy Head. Yeah. You know, marvellous. Yeah. Anyway, so we ended well. up pulling into a petrol station. Oh, you didn't. Which was, by the way, there was also a queue for this, right? So you had to queue up <laughs> in the petrol station. Uh, it was one of those that has a Marks and Spencer's attached. So oh, at least it was thank loads of, for that. Uh, yeah, loads of sandwiches, crisps, packets of crisps. And I'm actually laughing at this point because we sat on the forecourt of the <laughs> petrol station on bank holiday Sunday, eating out of a plastic bag, like like refugees, peasants from Eastern <laughs> Europe. At least it was Marks and Spencer, though. Come yeah, on. it costs thirty quid as well. Oh dear! I mean, you know, I kid you not. Anyway, listen, we're going to talk to uh, Sim Harris, who's the editor of mm. Rail News. He's been sitting there patiently waiting while I tell my terrible story. That's not over yet, by the way. There's more to come. Oh wow, I can't um, wait. But Sim, a very good, good morning, uh, morning to you. Thank you for waiting patiently. Hello, nice to talk. Now, listen, I, I could only have imagined having a worse day if I was trying to get to Gatwick Airport at the end of it. Really? Yes. Now, are you aware of what's going on at Gatwick Airport? I'm perfectly well aware, but I was waiting for a question. So tell us what was going well, on. Well, sometimes because... my questions are in the form of a statement. Uh, at one point, people were leaving Gatwick Airport were facing a two-hour wait to board a rail replacement yes, bus. They've apologised. It's 4,000 people thought to have been stranded at, at Victoria, at Gatwick. This is over a bank holiday weekend. Southern Rail, Kelsapreeze, even advising some people to avoid Brighton trains due to overcrowding, which is a bit of a bother if you actually live in Brighton. So it's been a bit chaotic. <laughs> has yeah, it not? Um, it has, yes. I'm still waiting for a question I can answer. You're still, OK, well, here's a question. Are you or are you not the editor of Rail News? I am, and it right. has been a bit chaotic. Yes, that, OK. Right? Uh, can you tell us why the railways always seem to uh, close down on bank holiday weekends? Oh, I can tell you that one. That's Go on, then. One. Because you've got to mend the railway at some point. You've got to upgrade it. You've got to renew it. Yeah, we it. hear that all the time. But why would they That's have to true. do it? Why do they have to do it when it's at its one of its most busy periods? Ah, but it isn't. Um, it's nothing like as busy as it is on the average Monday morning, which is not a bank holiday. The whole point is to avoid yes. the commuter time. I, I accept That's all that. Really busy. I accept that, Sim, but surely even you would admit that there are times other than bank holiday weekends and Monday mornings when you could do it. When? Well, how about during the night? 
no, uh, you can't do it during the night um, because you haven't got enough time. Uh, unfortunately, the way it works, trains actually run all night on the Brighton main line anyway. Uh, so you don't really Not have the moment, to they don't. call a window. Well, they do normally. <laughs> so, so the question, though, is... There, so there is very, very few times which are really convenient to everyone. Well, all right. Well, how okay. about this, then? How about a weekend that's not a bank holiday weekend and it's not the hottest bank holiday season exactly. of the year? Because Saturdays and Sundays are still extremely busy. There is no easy time. But the time when people are least likely to be going to work is over a bank holiday weekend, and that's why they choose them. But the point of what Mike was just saying there is is this is going to be, you must anticipate that a bank holiday is going to be exceptionally, exceptionally busy. So why did we have situations where there weren't enough staff at Three Bridges, at Gatwick Airport, explaining to people what was going on? Why were there not more rail replacement buses put on? Why on earth were people supposedly collapsing at over, due to overcrowding at stations? Why is this allowed to happen? Well, I think nearly all these questions are not for me at all, who is a casual observer, but actually for the operator to answer some of those questions. But I can say... In now, a that's way, not really fair, is it, Sim? Because you've asked us to ask you questions that I you can answer, I... and now you're saying you can't answer them. But what would they be telling you? As a casual observer, you must have read a lot of do their you responses. Do you answer a question or not? Yes. Or do you want to go on talk? No, I do. Right. right. The, the broad answer to your point, barely a question, is that, in fact, the arrangement of replacement buses when there are problems on the main railway, whether they're engineering works or something else, are not nearly good enough. The problem is to find out what to do. I gather that Southern had 60 buses arranged and called in another 30, which they had as contingency, and it still wasn't enough. No. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, to be honest. I think it demonstrates how vital the railway is. It also demonstrates there is no good time to mend it. But I do think that the operators need to do more. We've certainly heard reports that there weren't very many staff at Gatwick Airport. Now, that really is not, if true, that really is not forgivable because one thing that the railway should be able to do is anticipate. Yes. It should know what the likely demand is. Now, it may have been taken by surprise this time, but I haven't yet forgotten, and I'm sure many people in Sussex haven't forgotten yet, the chaotic scenes at Red Hill a few weeks ago, yes. mm-hmm. when once again there were not nearly enough buses, there were very few staff around from, from the point of view of crowd control. This is something I think the industry needs to sit down and ask itself some very serious questions about. But if you ask, what are the details? Why didn't they have more buses? Plainly, I have no idea. No, why. that was a very I good answer to a very you. poor question that on was, our behalf. Yeah. So obviously you're here, you. you're here to I talk agree about... I with you, it, it, it is not good enough. Well, what you'd like, but also what you'd like to think, Sim, is that they would learn from mistakes like most companies are supposed to do. You know, we all make mistakes in life. We all make mistakes uh, as corporations, as public bodies and all of that. But they don't appear to have learned any lessons at all. And I see that uh, in the list of Britain's most unpopular stations, uh, Gatwick Airport uh, comes in at number two. So there's clearly quite a lot wrong uh, with that part of the world railway wise. Well, I think the good uh, good uh, news about Gatwick Airport is the amount, number of people using both the airport and the railway has zoomed upwards in the last decade. And I, I, I take the point. Gatwick Airport Station doesn't seem that bad to me, but maybe it gets overcrowded at times when I'm not there. However, there is a major scheme just being announced and planning permission being sought uh, to... Uh, rebuild Gatwick Airport Station and make it much larger. So that the hope is on the way, if you hang on a few years for that. And well, just hang on a few years, you might even get a train. I mean, you know, it's 
not much of a, a message of hope, uh, despair for the uh, for the poor old passengers, is it? Well, I think the problem we also have, do we not, on bank holidays, it's a slightly wider one. You were you were speaking before I, I joined you um, about the problems you had going to a pub on That's a bank right. holiday exactly. and how parking wasn't good enough. Right. It's And certainly uh, the, the queues down to the West Country where I live on the M5 on Friday were monstrous. Uh, transport systems tend to get overwhelmed when we all go on holiday at once. But that doesn't change the point that the railways really do now have to sit down because there have been several faux pas in recent times within involving rail replacement bus services. They're not actually that good. There have been too many stories, for example, on other occasions about rail replacement bus drivers not knowing the route they're on. Yes, they don't know where they're going. Now, I actually got on one once, you know. They used to. I ended up buying a car because the service on South Eastern was so awful, going up and down to uh, Hastings that I ended up just giving up. But one of the time, I actually, I mean, you'll say this is just an anecdotal story, but I once got on a bus out of Tunbridge Wells Station. It got to the top of the hill and promptly broke down. <laughs> so we all had to get off the bus and wait for another one. And guess what? Right? They didn't have. You seem to be laughing at my misfortune a lot, sir. It's terrible. But the is it thing because is, you were right, on the bus. Is because I was on the bus. I think that's why he's enjoying it. But the thing is, right? That they, we had to then wait 45 minutes for another bus because there wasn't another one at Tunbridge Wells, which I was yeah. staggered by, you know. It's that kind of lack of contingency planning yeah. which annoys so many people, and I can quite see why it does. It would annoy me. Um, I certainly, on one occasion, um, if you want an anecdote, did use a rail replacement bus, didn't want to very much. I was going from London to Folkestone and had to get a rail replacement bus late on a Sunday evening at Ashford. There were no staff around to help you where the buses were. The only guide was a piece of paper pinned up on what somebody had scrawled in ballpoint <laughs> pen, right. buses this way. Right. And when you got outside, there was no way of knowing which at several <laughs> bus bays you were supposed to wait. Mm. It was pure luck that yeah. actually got to Folkestone that night at all. Mm. And at that point, I wanted a word with whoever was responsible for those rail replacement buses. Don't you realise that planning for the worst is absolutely vital, and secondly, communication is utterly essential as well. It's something that the railway doesn't seem to do very well, unless it's something it does every day. Yes. If it's something special, there seems to be a lack, and I quite agree. I think that rail replacement buses are not very good. They're regrettably necessary, but they're not good enough. And I think Southern may have tried much harder this time, because they had... 30 contingency yeah. buses. I, I know, I, mean, I, I was on most. I assume as well, um, I'd assume, I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I mean, that, but it must cost quite a lot of money. I know certainly down on the southeastern line, they tend to use one bus company to replace the uh, the trains. And whoever runs that bus company must be absolutely coining it in because they're on, you know, so often. Well, yes, indeed. If you if you are a local bus company and you have a regular customer in the shape of a train operator, I imagine it is pretty good business. Yeah. On the other hand, I would expect the train operators, since they are, for goodness sake, buying their bus travel wholesale, I expect they're negotiating the best price they can. Yeah, this is very frustrating for a lot of people. I mean, I actually, it was the final straw for me to move because every Sunday and every, now it was getting every Saturday because yeah. I was on Southern, um, it was a rail replacement bus and it was, it was take so long it would drop you off a completely different station you don't want to go and it's a nightmare for a lot of people but we've got you talking about as well the best and worst railway stations as mike mentioned there what makes in your view a a really great memorable station 
A station that, first of all, works, a fundamental point, is actually finding your train and getting on it. Mm. Or, or indeed, if you get off the train there, being finding it easy to find your way out, mm. getting well directed. Secondly, a good feeling. I mean, one of the best stations, and I believe it's very high on the list again this time, is St Pancras International it's in number London. Two, it's number two, yeah. It's a beautiful station. It was uh, 10 years ago, though, it was a dump. Yeah. Or just over 10 years now, more like 15 years ago. It was dirty. Uh, the roof had got holes in it. It looked like the rundown place it had been allowed to become. Mm. British Rail even considered closing it in the 60s, which would have been an utter tragedy because it's a glorious piece of architecture it as is. well. Yeah. And now it does a wonderful job and it handles tremendous numbers of passengers and it does it very well. So St Pancras is a good example. Just across the road from there, you've got King's Cross. Yeah. And I believe that's number one. It is number, it is one, number yes. one, yeah. But also, look, King's Cross is actually quite compact in its, considering how busy it is. You know, yeah. it's quite easy to navigate, whereas I find St Pancras a little bit too... Overbearing in some ways. But it's quite in fact, a destination. Yeah. I think it's a shopping. It keeps it's laughing nice at me. Food. It's. I quite like some Pancras. <laughs> I think. I, I think couldn't find the, the ticket office when I went there. I could find a place to get oysters. I could oh, find I a chocolate shop. Bridge. I could get beer. I could get wine. I could get champagne. There was a bar. I could get champagne. What else do you need? Couldn't find the, the ticket? ticket office. What? Yes. Well, that's down below. Do you see? Yes. You, Is you're it? at a different bit ah. where the oysters are. They're high up alongside Eurostar. That's right. And uh, you have to go downstairs to find the ticket. Ah, office, right. That was my mistake. When you find it. Yes. But uh, yes, signing can always be improved. It's always possible to to say, but I didn't know where to go. Mm. It's it is quite confusing, partly because St Pancras has to do so many different things. Yes. The, as we know, it's the Eurostar terminus in London, but it's also the terminus of the Midland Main Line from Sheffield. Mm. It's also the terminus of the high-speed trains from Kent, and it has Thameslink running through on a lower level too. Yeah. And then you have the underground on top, and I believe the underground station there has more more lines on it than any other mm. in London. It's an extremely complicated transport hub. Right. But yes, it is a nice place to use. In I think many they're going to get Crossrail Even as well. Can't aren't they? find the ticket office. Yeah. I think they're going to get Crossrail as well. Aren't they? No, 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 they're not going to get Crossrail there. That might just be adding too many cherries on this particular Sunday. Now I'm going to ask you um, one more final question, Sim, if you don't mind. Uh, what is your very, very favourite railway station in the world? Now I think St Pancras is well up there in the top yeah. two or three. Um, if we go outside Britain, um, one of the more glorious cathedral-type stations is Antwerp in Belgium. Is it? Okay. A lot, a lot of Belgian stations are pretty sad, actually. They make they? a lot of ours look really nice. Mm. But Antwerp is a glorious exception. I do like that one. Okay. I think um, another another station I rather like, and it's very different, um, it's, the, it's the station where you change trains to go to where I live in Cornwall, which is Newquay, oh. and you change at Par, and Par is three platforms, still got all its canopies, still got staff, still got the old type of signals, you know, the old ones that go up and oh, the down. The ones that go up and down, yeah. It's, it's, it's a glorious little piece of, of railway in aspic, but it works very well. And you stand on the bridge, and on the bridge there's a lovely pub as well, which makes it even better. Fantastic. But you can stand there with your beer and look out at this lovely, classic little country railway junction, which is still doing an excellent job. I think I have a, a bit of an affection for that one too. That sounds brilliant. Well, listen, Sim, you've been a great sport. Thank you Thank very much you. indeed. Uh, Sim Harris at Edinburgh Rail News. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app.
If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.